This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. We're so close to summer holidays, which for many of us means getting through a flurry of of end-of-year parties and last-minute catch-ups with colleagues, friends and families. But this will also be our first pandemic Christmas where we're not required to self-isolate if we get COVID, which means it's up to us to manage the risk of getting the virus and spreading it to our loved ones, especially those who are immunocompromised and at risk of becoming very unwell. So today, infectious diseases expert and the director of the Doherty Institute, Professor Sharon Lewin, is here to offer some advice on the social dilemmas of battling COVID this festive season. It's Wednesday, the 14th of December. So our colleagues here at The Guardian, as well as our readers and listeners, have sent us lots of questions and concerns, and we've just picked a few in particular. So I'm hoping that you can offer them some advice. How does that sound? Yeah, of course. No problem. Great. Okay. So the first question, Alison asks, should I ask everyone to do a rat test before coming over for Christmas? And if so, how should I ask? Well, that wouldn't be standard. Um, Now, with so many people vaccinated or having had infection or having had both, the level of immunity in the community is much higher. There is much lower risk of getting sick from COVID because of the level of immunity and because of these new variants. It really depends on the setting. If there's someone there that's particularly vulnerable or particularly anxious around COVID, it might be appropriate to ask people to do rat tests before coming. It is adds an extra layer of security. We are not recommending that that's routine at all. And um, I think I would only be doing that if there was particular concern about some members of the group that were attending. How would you do it? You know, my relative is particularly immunosuppressed and very concerned about COVID. Could you test in the morning? And if you're negative, come. And if you have symptoms or test positive, it'd be best that you don't attend. I think we're so used to this now socially, but it would not be routine. Great. Okay, so the second question is from Molly. Molly asks, my dad is COVID positive, but my mum is testing negative. She wants to come over to give my daughter a Christmas present. Is it safe? Well, Molly's mother is a close contact of someone with COVID. Yes, it's not mandated to isolate with COVID, but it's still recommended. So if people test COVID positive, we recommend they stay home for five days. Their contacts do not have to stay home or isolate, but they should have a heightened awareness of their recent exposure. If Molly's mum is visiting Molly and she's concerned about her child, the simplest thing to do is to ask Molly's mum not to come if she has symptoms and to use a rat test that morning. If it's negative, it's fine to go out. Um, and this third question is from Jane, a reader, definitely not not me. <laughs> um, she asks, due to have my baby first week of January, what's the best way to avoid COVID leading up to labour? Well, you would avoid COVID in all the same ways that you we've all been doing for a long time now. Um, and that would mean wearing a mask when you're out, potentially reducing your exposures, I personally think if you've had your three or four vaccines, you are very well protected against severe disease. That's really what we're worrying about. Um, and mild infection is less detrimental. I think it's a being COVID positive 
when you're delivering is a hassle about um, about what you do in hospital, but it would really be uh, reducing the numbers of people that you're uh, interacting with and if you're really concerned to also wear a well-fitting N95 mask. This one's from Ash. They say, I had my first booster back in February or March and I heard the latest booster doses are not as effective against the latest COVID strains. Should I still get it? Well, we have most of the data on fourth doses or second boosters um, with the original vaccines. And those fourth doses had the best and biggest impact on people that were older. It's not detrimental to get a fourth dose, but it had the biggest impact in stopping people over the age of 60 from going to hospital. Data suggests that people who receive the new vaccine, the bivalent vaccine, do have slightly better immune responses, higher antibodies, and an immune response that recognises more strains of virus. It's not perfect against the current strain, but there is greater breadth. The standard vaccine, Moderna, Pfizer, Novavax, were all designed in what we call the original strain, all designed against the Wuhan strain. They work really well. They still work well against current variants. The new bivalent vaccine is made by Moderna and includes two strains. It includes the original vaccine, Wuhan strain, and a more recent Omicron variant, the two together. That's why it's called bi-2-valent vaccine. If you haven't had a booster and you're going out to get your booster, you will have a choice of getting the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, or the Moderna bivalent vaccine. In Australia at the moment, the recommendation is If you require a vaccine, meaning you're due for a booster, the preferred vaccine is a bivalent vaccine, but it's not mandatory to get the bivalent vaccine. So if I was getting a fourth dose now, I would recommend getting the bivalent vaccine because it it will give you a slightly better antibody response. It is still definitely worthwhile getting it. Um, The impact on a younger person is lower because you're absolute risk of getting sick is much lower than, say, if you were over 60 or had a comorbidity. Mm. I've heard that the fourth booster doesn't last as long, perhaps, as the previous boosters in terms of effectiveness at preventing you from contracting COVID. Is that true? No, we don't know the answer to that. And I think people, when they talk about how vaccines work, it's important to think of two things, protecting you against infection, which might mean a mild upper respiratory illness for a few days or protecting you against disease. The vaccines are less efficient at protecting against infection from the newer strains, but they still retain their ability to protect against disease. What we knew from after the second dose and to some extent after the third dose was that over time, your total level of antibodies in your blood, which is the part of your blood that fights the virus, does decrease over time. That's less clear after the fourth dose, but I think what's encouraging to all of us is that you retain your ability to protect against disease, which in the end is what we really worry about. Great. Okay, and our final question is from Alex. Alex says, every member of my immediate family has cancer or is in their 90s. And she asks what she should be doing to limit the possibility of giving them COVID. She says, should I shield take a rat before seeing them, take a PCR before seeing them, or see them outside, all of the above. We are all vaxxed to the max. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think you would be using all the different tools available currently. Meeting outside is definitely a really good thing to do. COVID transmission is dramatically reduced when you're outdoors compared to when you're indoors. 
testing before you meet is also a good thing to do. A lot of people seem to think that rap tests are not that good. Everyone's got a story of someone that was negative, you know, that someone tested negative but eventually had COVID. Rat tests are actually very good. They're very good at picking up people that have a high amounts of virus in their nose. And the reason why they're negative and then suddenly you turn positive is because you have a lower amount of virus in your nose in the early stages of infection and it goes up over time. So I think a rat, rat tests are very good because they screen out people that have lots of virus in their nose and therefore more infectious. So doing a rat test prior to um, meeting um, is a good idea. Another option, of course, is to wear masks during the gathering unless you're eating or drinking. Shielding or staying home and protect, trying to protect yourself from COVID, you know, I would discourage people from doing that at this stage. COVID is now something we are going to live with. People are going to be exposed. It's very hard to predict when your exposure is going to occur. And, um, you know, you can live in fear for forever about this virus. And when there are actually things, practical things we can do, and also encouraging your relatives, if they have an underlying immunosuppression or elderly, they should definitely have an antiviral plan. Antivirals really do work. They need to be used within the first five days of symptoms. Uh, and can I just clarify, what exactly is an antiviral plan and how should we put one together? Well, we have drugs now, antivirals, that make a really big difference for people that are vulnerable, meaning that they're elderly over the age of 70 or they're over the age of 60 with comorbidities and or have other underlying immunosuppressive illnesses. It's always worthwhile to know in advance whether you would benefit from antivirals. If you're otherwise completely healthy and under the age of 70, antivirals are not recommended. So I'm, I would recommend people that they have that discussion with their GP now while they're well. Am I eligible or not for antivirals? Yes or no, your GP will be able to answer. If, and then if you have an antiviral plan, the other question is, how soon should I take those antivirals? You should take those antivirals as soon as you test positive because they only work if you take them within the first five days of symptoms. An antiviral plan means being prepared for, being, for having COVID and needing antivirals. And if you don't have that, it becomes actually a little bit difficult in the midst of the moment of a positive diagnosis, which may have come on a Saturday or Christmas morning and all the GPs' clinics are shut and you don't know, you know where to go and then time is ticking, that's what we mean by an antiviral plan. Be prepared, understand whether you're eligible or not, how you're going to get those tablets and to have a high awareness that you need to have the tablets within the first five days. Antivirals work when you're positive but not very sick because they prevent you from getting very sick. And Professor Lewin, you mentioned that rats are actually quite good at detecting COVID and, and that we can rely on them. Um, Alex also asked if they should take a PCR as well. Would that be something you'd recommend? We do use PCR tests if um, the rat is negative and the person continues to have symptoms and therefore unclear about what's causing COVID and it makes a difference to know. Um, if you're going to use some sort of testing to work out whether it's safe to go out or not, a rat test is useful because it will tell you if you're positive and have a high level amount of virus in the nose. The PCR test can be positive even if you've got very low amounts of virus at the tail end of your disease or may even have non-infectious virus. So PCR tests are quite helpful when you really need to make the diagnosis. But I think for 
helping you make decisions of how to live, a rat test is probably more useful. So, you know, just to clarify then, if you're testing negative on a rat on a Christmas morning and you've got a sore throat and you're feeling a little bit worried, especially if you have vulnerable family members like Alex does, what should you do? If you're going to see a vulnerable member and you've got symptoms, I would recommend you stay home regardless of the test. Mm. If you've got symptoms, our recommendation is to stay away from people that are vulnerable. Next, how is the fourth wave of COVID tracking and how could the pandemic change in 2023? COVID is still out there. So what are the case numbers like currently? And is this latest wave still expected to peak before Christmas? Look, it's really hard to do the modelling now because not all infections are diagnosed and not all diagnosed infections are reported. And so therefore the numbers of infections are less accurate. But if you assume that the pattern of testing and reporting hasn't changed, yes, the numbers are higher now than they have been several weeks ago. Probably the more accurate estimation of where we are with transmissions is hospitalisations, and they're also higher than in previous weeks. Predicting when it's going to peak is difficult, but usually we know that the peak is will be less than what we've seen previously. We're in a very different phase in 2022 to late 2021. We've got a variant that can get around the vaccine, but that causes more likely to cause infection than disease. We know that we're encouraging people to have at least four vaccines. We now have a bivalent vaccine available. We have antivirals for people that are immunosuppressed. So we're tackling this very differently by protecting and make and trying to make do everything possible to protect the most vulnerable people from getting unwell from COVID, as opposed to what we were doing in late 2021, where we were really focusing on reducing transmission. Are there are there other viruses sort of circulating to make this pre-Christmas season not so festive? Yes, there is. Um, the most common one right now is something called RSV or respiratory syncytial virus. It's not flu season. There are other coronaviruses, for example, and RSV that are circulating. I think there should be heightened awareness that you can spread any respiratory virus. So if people have got symptoms, they should get tested for COVID because it's slightly different what we would recommend to people with COVID. Plus there's interventions, certainly for people that have underlying immunosuppression that really make a difference in COVID that are not relevant for other infectious diseases. So knowing whether you do or don't have COVID still remains very important. But even if you have any respiratory infections, respiratory symptoms, we normally recommend that you stay home so that you don't transmit it to other people. The pandemic's changed so much since those early days of 2020. How do you expect the pandemic to change going into the new year in terms of future subvariants and future vaccines that will be available? What are you looking for in the new year? Well, I think the first thing I'm confident of is COVID is not going away. It's going to be with us forever. And just like we have bad years or bad seasons of flu, we'll have the same with COVID. The durability of our current vaccination strategy, three or four doses, is unclear. Um, At the moment, it seems that the current vaccination strategy, together with infection, because vaccination together with infection gives you something called hybrid immunity, which seems to give you even stronger immunity than vaccination alone, um, is is lasting well. So we actually don't even know the answer to whether people are going to need yearly vaccines or not. But we have good protection against disease. 
we most certainly will see um, new variants appear. But I think it's less likely we'll see a nasty new variant um, because a virus can keep changing or mutating, but eventually it gets cornered and it gets cornered by your immune system and it sort of can't dodge it any further. If it makes another mutation, it's disadvantageous to the virus. And we're, we're sort of beginning to see that, that the virus is getting a little bit hemmed in by our immune system. Having said that, we've seen big surprises from COVID in the past um, and so I'm always a little bit respectful of what a virus can do. Um, but I think it's unlikely that we're going to see some new variant that's really dramatically different. And what we really worry about is a variant that causes much more severe disease. We haven't seen that happening. Hmm. Will we see new vaccines? Um, there are lots of vaccines still in development in different stages of clinical evaluation. People are very keen to see what we call mucosal vaccines, which is vaccines that are delivered directly into the nose or as a tablet and therefore give the lining of your body, the lining of your nose, the lining of your lungs, better immunity to what you get when you get an injection. But there's nothing that I've seen that's sort of close to coming to market. Um, and I, so I don't think we're going to see that that quickly. I think we'll see better antivirals, hopefully cheaper, hopefully less toxic and easier to take. Um, they're the sorts of things that I think we'll be seeing in the next few years. Hmm. And do you have any final message or tips or thoughts that you'd like to share as we sort of head back into the new normal of COVID over the summer break? Well, I think people should maximise everything they can to protect themselves and others from getting disease. And that's the most important thing is to be up to date with your vaccinations. And for most people, that means four. And for immunosuppressed people, five vaccines preferably with a bivalent vaccine if you're, if you're due for a booster. I think anyone that's vulnerable or elderly needs to have an antiviral plan. I think use rat tests liberally in any case, in any situation that you're unsure of, of, of being um, not wanting to transmit and stay home if you're sick or have any symptoms. That's really important and that's a very big change to how we've lived our lives until COVID. Thanks so much for your time, Professor Lewin, and take care over the Christmas break. Thanks very much. The same to you. That was Sharon Lewin, Professor of Medicine at the University of Melbourne and Director of the Doherty Institute. After we recorded this interview, the government announced that from next year, you'll need a referral to get a Medicare-funded COVID PCR test. This is one of a number of changes in a national plan that outlines how the federal government plans to handle the pandemic next year. We'll post a link to an article that talks about all of these changes on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and myself. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producer of today's Full Story was Molly Glassie. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.